if they're smart and they listen to all of our episodes, they do what you said a handful of episodes ago and find a way to eat the elephant one piece at a time. Because you, you just said something there I think is really important. We're staring at a world where you know cookies probably don't exist the next time we all get, get together and have our annual meeting. It's less important to pay attention to what people say and much more important to, see, to, to pay attention to what people do. Before it was a lot of companies got funded based on how many eyeballs they could grab. Hey guys, welcome back to the Results Junkies podcast. We are continuing the trend of being off the road while we were recording because I am staring at Paul and I can see his Virginia home in the background and he can see mine. Hey man, how you doing? Hey, good to see you, man. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I got to pick the travel back up. I, I feel like I get most of my creativity when I'm on the road and um, that creativity tank is feeling a little low. <laughs> <laughs> well... I've been on the road pretty much every week and I'm you know, going to finish out December on the road every week until we get to the kids out of school. So I'll, uh, I'll share some of my creativity with you amongst the exhaustion of, <laughs> you know, being, being in a mask everywhere. <laughs> ah, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. Well, I think we're gonna have a fun, uh, a fun time. We got a ton of ideas on here. Yeah, of course we won't get to all of them uh, like we like we never do. Um, you know, but I, I you know I want to I want to start by digging into a little bit into just hearing what you thought about Black Friday from your standpoint as it related to to bump and you know Cyber Monday and stuff like that, and and, and then also just talk about what you saw generally. I saw a few things um, that I want to key off of, uh, but for folks who are tuning in, you know, please make sure you hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening. Make sure you get the new episodes as soon as we drop them. You can also hit us up with questions, show at resultsjunkies.com. And you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. He is at Paul Singh, and I am at Pizza in Motion. So did anything interesting happen for Bump uh, over the cyber, I don't even want to know if we call it a cyber week anymore, cyber 10 days? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, look, I, it was good. Uh, it was good, you know, but I, the thing that I think people don't talk enough about, and, and, and I don't know if this is a, something unique to Bump or, or common to everybody else, but I feel like I don't hear enough people talk about is that people talk about Bump. Or, uh, I'm sorry, people talk about Black Friday, Cyber Monday as if it is the thing. They talk about it as if that, you know, first four days between Friday and Monday is the thing. And then it like that it drags out during Cyber Week. That's what they talk about. But if if I were to screen share our, you know, Google Analytics with the transaction screen showing, what you would find actually is that Black Friday and Cyber Monday are the start of you know, a 15 to 20 day uh, upwards trend of daily sales. Mm -hmm. And that mid-December daily sales are actually higher than Black Friday through Cyber Monday. Interesting. And again, I don't know if that's unique to us or, you know, maybe it's common, but I feel like nobody really talks about it. So Black Friday, Cyber Monday was really good for us, just like any other company. Uh, you know, big spike in sales every day. Not not surprising in that sense, um, but it is the beginning of like this trend, and it's just you know two to almost three weeks of just higher and higher sales every day as we get to mid December. Um, 
because people switch into gift buying mode and and then you know there's that scarcity thing at the end of or the middle of December where you start to worry like gosh if I don't order it fast enough will it even arrive by Christmas um so yeah it was good um I think on the other side of it though uh um it also reinforces the fact that you know we along with everybody else are going to have to uh really think about investing even more into other channels uh, over the next, you know, couple months and figure out how to unlock those. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what your experience was, but, you know, with that whole do not track, you know, thing with iOS, it, it certainly affected things. I mean, I know, I, I don't know about you, but I know I got targeted for weird stuff, but that's because like yeah. in some of the apps, I turned it off and some of the apps I turned it on just to see what would happen. And it's really fascinating. I'm like, why am I getting targeted for this? I'm like, oh, right, right, right. I yep. turned off tracking there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if that's good or bad, you know? Well, the jury's still out. I mean, it's obviously it's harder for businesses, but like, is it good or bad for consumers to get hit up with random things? I don't know. I don't know. I know yeah. I, I found it very jarring, by the way, because I, I had forgotten that I hit that button. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, what in the world? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm in the process of setting up uh, the new uh, iPhone 13 Pro. And so I'm still carrying around my old one because it's got my, you know, like all my 2FA stuff on it that I need to move over. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I've, as I've activated apps on the new phone, I have just said, ask app not to track on everything. And so what I thought was interesting was the the ads that I'm seeing now, um, I did see some random stuff. Um, but for other companies, what I saw, and I haven't quite figured out the, put the pieces together in this. The only thing I could think of is potentially maybe Gmail. Um, a lot of my ads focused on things that I purchased on Black Friday, not things that I necessarily browsed. Um, so like I purchased one thing, I purchased a, a map, um, you know, me being a travel nerd and all, and I am still getting retargeted like crazy from that company. When I say like crazy, I'm meaning, you know, dozens of ads a day, uh, you know, I'll call it almost a week after that purchase, um, you know, much more than I've ever been targeted by either that company in general or, or a company in general. And I, I, there were a few things like that where, where it really spiked. And I, and I wonder if that has to do with, you know, how things are changing with Apple and, and where that puts uh, customer acquisition costs for those companies, because essentially the, the things I saw the most ads on were things I already purchased. So they're just, you know, dumping money into, you know, a dry hole because I'm probably not going to buy anything from any of those companies till next year or never. I mean, the optimistic case is that they're probably trying to drive LTV. The pessimistic case is that somebody misconfigured the ads because if they're, if they're hitting you with the ad for the thing you bought already, that, that doesn't, at face value, that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem right. That seems like somebody forgot to turn something off. That that's what was puzzling for me. It's like I've got you know the two example like I said that that map was one example, and then Yankee Candle, and like maybe you could argue that I'm going to buy more Yankee Candles. I'm not. Spoiler alert. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean like the map thing. It's sort of like it's a thing you hang on the wall. Yeah, it's sort of like a one time aspirational purchase. And and so I I do just wonder looking at that. I'm trying to understand that behavior from people and um and what uh you know what these companies are expecting in return for for how they're targeting and you know i'm sure lots of them are learning yeah well i i think the it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple months for everybody um if nothing else uh, it's making me more and more sure 
that that we all have to start moving towards some sort of first party relationship with the customer base or the the the, the expected customer base. Um, and I I will admit openly I don't know exactly clearly articulately what that means yet. But what I know is is that you know with with iOS there's no going back. Like cost of acquisition for paid is not going back. I mean it just nobody's going to disagree with me on that. There's no, you're not going back to April, 2021 ever again. Now we all have to operate under the assumption that the other platforms will do it. It's not a question of if, just when. And so we, I think we all as, you know, business owners have to start thinking about that proactively. It always just leads me back to the same conclusion that one way or the other, we have to build these first party relationships. Um, And actually, uh, if you're up for it, I do want to talk about that uh, as an idea. And just I'm curious if it'll spark some ideas from anybody listening um, to this, because a combination of Black Friday and what I'm seeing in North Star is kind of like giving me an idea for something I want to try at Bump. Um, so I'll tease you with that. But let, let me just pause. Where where do you want to go? Because we got a ton of good ideas on the list, too. No, I'm I'm totally fine with that. I think you know there's nothing on the list that we can't discuss next week this, since that's sort of like our habit. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, well, you know, uh, let me let me kind of let me tee this up then. So Black Friday, good. You know, you got targeted with weird stuff. That's bad. Uh, CAC is up for everybody. The platforms are going to change. You know, the rules. Every it's only going to get wilder and wilder over the next couple months. So what do we do? Well, let me pause there for a second and talk about North Star for just 30 seconds. So North Star continues to kind of grow the user base. Um, uh, I actually pushed out Amazon Seller Central support on there this week, although it's still pending Google approval. So once that happens, you know, hopefully by the time people listen to this, it'll support Amazon Seller Central and Google Analytics. um, And then Shopify will come after that. But here's the thing. It's turning out to be a really sticky product. I mean, it's a free thing. The data stays on the browser. I don't see anything. But what's right. really fascinating is, is I do see how many times it's loaded. And I see that the average user is opening about 40 tabs a day and looking at their data. Um, so that's really fascinating. Now, let me pause there for a second. Um, you've got this free tool that provides value to other operators in the industry. I built it because I, I, I care about this stuff. But now it gets me thinking. I'm like, well, wait a second. What if there was an unobtrusive little one-line ad in there for the roles that I'm recruiting for? Unobtrusive, very small, tiny, you know, very faint, but, you know, and it's there when I'm recruiting. It's not when I'm not, you know, like it's there. Okay. All right. So this gets me thinking. When I talk about this now, so now let's put a pin in that. Let's go back to where we ended there with, with uh, Black Friday in, in the future. Uh, we got to build relationships with first first party relationships with the user base or the expected customer base. What does that mean? Well, we used to be able to pay for them, right? Uh, then we learned that all went away. So now what? Well, the, that's all third party relationships, right? Because you're paying through the platforms, or even if you're creating content on a social network, you're still throwing it out there. You're at the mercy of algorithms and stuff like that. But first party data is. Essentially, a first-party relationship is basically, can I give you so much value with something, usually free, that you're always going to be thinking about me? So now let me just kind of cut to the tactics and and see where you go with this and and what you think of this. And by the way, I know you'll tell me if this is a bad idea. (laughs) 
one of like the most interesting uh, sort of mom acquisition lead magnets that you know we have is a due date calculator. Mm -hmm. Nothing fancy. You just put in your due date, and it you know uh, tells you on the website like uh, how many days you have left. I'm sorry, it tells you when you um, you know missed your last period or whatever, and then it estimates the due date, and then there's like this countdown and a checklist. And thousands and thousands of people use it every month, right? It's it's all SEO and whatever, and it's worked really well for us. But it got me thinking. I'm like, wait a second. I remember when we were pregnant with our kids, and I don't know if this was the same for you and Michelle, but like, I remember when we were pregnant with our kids, there was this almost like countdown of, you know, okay, due date's there. All right. And then mentally, you had this checklist. Okay, I got to get this done, this done, this done. Da, da, da. Okay, let's just fast forward. What if I just built a very basic uh extension for Chrome and iOS, where every time you open a new tab, just gives you that countdown. You know, that's just version 0.1, right? And then we go to uh, version one eventually that has that checklist and stuff like that. Now, why is this? Uh, why am I talking about this? Well, here's the thing. We, just like any other e-commerce company, we get tons of traffic, regardless of how we get it, paid, unpaid, social, organic, doesn't matter. We, we like everybody else, get a ton of traffic. And we, just like everybody else, have a certain conversion rate into transactions. But what happens to the other, you know, unconverted traffic? Today, the most sophisticated topics around that, that at least publicly, are email drips and abandoned cart, you know, campaigns and retargeting like you talked about. But what if you actually um, encourage them to install the extension? right there on whatever device you're on. And you've seen this before, I think, right? Where you might have been on a website on your phone or on your desktop or whatever. Yeah. And it says at the top, there's an app available. And you just click that, right? Now, you may not do it all the time. But anyway, it gets me thinking, building the tool like this is actually not the hard part. I mean, it's not easy, but it's not hard. The interesting part is the distribution. Can you actually start to build tools like this? You know, this is just one idea of maybe lots of these due date calculators, name generators, things like that, like where you're encouraging people to install something right there on their phone because it gives them so much value. Uh, and now you can, pro, you know, you're giving them value 99% of the time, but then every once in a while when you've got a sale or you've got something else, you're programmatically just inserting a little one-liner. You know, just like with North Star, like if I'm recruiting, I'll just insert a little one line unobtrusive ad. Anyway, let me pause there. I know that's not articulated well, but I'm curious if it if it gets your gears turning on anything. So I, I guess a high level, uh, the, the question I'd ask is how well does it work on on mobile? So, you know, for example, you know, my daughter came down this, this morning. She's like, my iPhone updated last night and it like it's all weird. And my wife's like, no, 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 <laughs> go ahead and reboot. Like it must just be a problem. She's like, no, no, no. Like. Like, like the, the, the bar to key in the website names is on the bottom. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of horrible. You're, you're going to have to switch browsers if you don't like that. Uh, so you can, you can change that by the way. There is a setting. Oh, I'm yeah. Okay. I'll have to find that. I just switched everything over to Firefox or Chrome. I don't remember which one I made my default. I just, I just, uh, that was what I needed to forcefully eject from the Safari world on my <laughs> iPhone. <laughs> um, but so, so when you, um, I, I haven't installed Northstar on a mobile device. So is, is the, it doesn't work yet. Right. Okay. So, so I think, so I think the, the, the thing I think when you say this is like, I think the idea sounds great in principle, but I think the majority of people who are doing the sorts of behaviors that you're talking about granularly, we're talking about 
the due date calculator. Obviously, I think there are other verticals that might uh, skew more to desktop, but this feels like a mobile centric sort of thing that people are searching for. Like I don't, I don't you know, I think the, the so that's uh, how do you how do you get them to convert back to hey, install this on your desktop the next time you're on your desktop or laptop. Okay, short answer is I don't know yet. Yeah, but but all right, so. Ed, I don't know the answer to your question. Like, I, I we're, I'm going to test stuff. I, I know I'm going to test stuff, and maybe I'll have some answers for you or some ideas for you next week when we figure it out, or at least try it out. Uh, but here's what I know is happening. So, a lot of other companies across the space, whether it's DTC or B2B SaaS, whatever, they're saying their their smartest people are saying one thing on social, but directing their unspent budget from paid, you know, the money they used to be able to spend on paid, they're spending it other places without actually saying anything to anybody, right? That That's that's how this thing works, right? Like nobody really talks about growth hacking tactics until those tactics are no longer useful, right? And so, um, for example, I have, I have, I've been talking to a lot of other DTC podcasters right now, and what I'm hearing and seeing is that companies like are blanket giving out $20,000 a month to random podcasters, like multiple podcasters on six to 12 month contracts just, just to get access to try out these first party relationships. I mean, look, if it was just one podcast or one like little thing, I wouldn't have even like brought this up. But my point is though, is that I know I don't have an answer for your question. Your question's really good, right? Like, how do you how do you bring them back? How do you, that's a good question. I don't know, and I don't think anybody else really knows. But I know there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of dollars now being spent uh, quietly by really well known brands with small to medium sized podcasts and indie hackers. You know, like you know, uh, well. Another little trick, by the way, just go on things like Upwork and start to Google or start to look up like uh, names of um, other companies you know. And what you'll find, at least what I've noticed actually very recently is a lot of companies that we both know are, you can see people, the, the number of like Upwork requests for like little extensions, little plugins, little tools, uh, that, you know, connect with these these companies in various ways. It's like, we want to create a free tool for whatever, but now they're veiled. Like the person requesting it isn't actually blatantly saying they work for them. But if you just go one step further, copy paste their name into LinkedIn, you're like, wait a second, that's, a, that's an employee of X asking for, you know. So anyway, my point is poorly articulated, I know. I think everybody's experimenting now. Everybody, like nobody knows the answer to the question you're asking, but we got to figure it out. And I don't think I'm the only one thinking this way. I just think nobody's really talking about it. And understandably, nobody really is talking about what they're really doing because you don't really want too much competition in there. But anyway, I I just think it's interesting. I think, I know it sounds really hand wavy when I say it's going to be interesting to see what the next few months look like, but I also don't know how else to say it. I think that there are so many interesting companies experimenting with interesting first-party tactics now, free tools. I guess for the consumers listening to this, don't be surprised when you start to get hit up with, air quotes, free tools for various parts of your life. You're going to see a ton more of these things. They're going to be little apps for your phones, extensions for your browsers, you know, 
you're, you're going to see a lot more of these over the next six to 12 months. And I'm telling you, there's a reason for it. It's because we can't spend the money on paid anymore. I mean, it's just throwing money at a brick wall, but you got to spend it. You can't just sit on it. So it's going to get spent somewhere and it's getting spent uh, increasingly on ideas that would bring the relationship, that would cut out all the middlemen between the company and the consumer base. So let me, I'll, let me pause there. I can't, uh, can't read the silence. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, you know, uh, this is one of those things where I sort of get stuck into the loop of, of my own behavior. And so it's like, I, I, to, to give you a better answer, I feel like I've got to go out and find somebody who's got data on um, not really the downloading of these apps, you know, that, that's certainly part of it, but the adoption of them, because I'm, you know, as a, as a general behavior standpoint, I'm a firm no on installing pretty much anything in my browsers. Um, like North Star is, you know, probably the the first thing that I'm playing with, you know, in, you know, definitely months, maybe years in terms of browser extensions. So I don't know how typical I am. And I don't know what the typical fall off is on adoption rate for for tools like that. So it's, it's sort of like, you know, like we have discussions all the time on the restaurant side about, you know, how I use Uber Eats or how Russell uses Uber Eats or how one of my district manager uses DoorDash or Grubhub or all that stuff. But we're three people. Um, so I, you know, I feel like I don't I don't disagree with your general assertion. What I don't know is uh, when you get into the specificity of how long and how frequent, um, I think I need to understand more about how people behave with those sorts of things today. And somebody's got to have that data. Maybe they haven't assembled in quite that fashion because it wasn't an interesting exercise back then. But um, but like, you know, what what the take rate is on these things, you know, like, ha, like I, certainly I've got, you know, there's a tab uh, floating on the side of my uh, Chrome browser right now for a product called Motion that was a YC company that I'm, you've been fiddling around with from a, a, a you know, time management standpoint. Um, it's there. Um, I don't use it anywhere near as frequently as I as I do, and I'll probably shut it off in the next 30 or 60 days if I don't get better at it. But I don't know what the take rate is for other things like that in in, in this sort of a space that you're talking about. We're all going to figure it out. Yeah, we're all going to figure it out. I, I think that um, it'll be interesting to see how it kind of goes over the next couple months. And um, But look, this is the name of the game, by the way. It's like we're all going to have to experiment our, our way towards you know, what works. Um, but, you know, on that note, by the way, like I was just thinking about, you know, as you were saying that I, this is a little out of time, out of time. Um, what do you call it? Like a little old, I guess I can't remember. This was like a, maybe a Q1 thing. I read a S1 or something like that, or a, a public filing for Yum Brands. I think it was Yum Brands. I think they own Taco Bell. And I maybe. thought it was interesting. The, um, have you been to a market yet where Taco Bell is showing their, um, Taco Club membership. It's like $9.99 a month. Yeah. What's wild to me is like companies like Yum Brand went from mm, just operating these restaurants, these brands to all of a sudden in that in that latest report, earnings report, it was like, yeah, we have 500,000 paying members of the, you know, Taco Club or whatever. It's like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> um I, I guess my point is like, it's really interesting to see what, like, you're right, by the way, like we are going to have to see what take rates are on memberships and extensions. Like, you're right. You're absolutely right. I cannot disagree with you. I guess what I'm just trying to say though is, is that I think there are far more people and companies experimenting quietly than we all realize. And I think when, when 
when we look back to this episode, you know, a couple months or quarters from now, like it'll be obvious. Um, but I guess my other point that I'll just make is it's less important to pay attention to what people say and much more important to see, to, to pay attention to what people do. Well, yeah, and we've talked about, uh, we've talked about the change in CAC and how Apple's impacting that for at least two episodes, if not three at this point. And I, I don't, as you said, I don't think we're anywhere near stopping that. Um, you, you know, the, there's something that that we say. I don't know if we. I don't know if you say it quite this way, but you know, I say you know when we find companies that we want to invest in, and they've found a strategy, sort of like that. You know, as you move from say maybe friends and family to a seed or or an A or whatever you want to you know use for alphabet soup. You know, part of why they're doing that is because they fiddled around and sort of figured out what worked, and now they're you know, they're raising money to pour gasoline on it. And so often that's some sort of targeting that they've done to acquire customers and. I, you know, I just think that that inflection point for a lot of companies moving from informalized cash raise to formalized cash raise is going to see some sort of metamorphosis over the next six to 12 months as we move away from, I won't sort of call it the easy levers, but the recognized levers of CAC. And, you know, I spoke at a conference yesterday and, and one of the guys on stage said, um, you know, we're, we're, we're staring at a world, this was a travel conference, you know, so we're staring at a world where, you know, cookies probably don't exist the next time we all get, get together and have our annual meeting. Um, anyhow, I don't know if he's right or he's wrong, but he's thinking about the right things. And, and so that it opens up this question of, you know, what, you know, how th that obviously pulls up, pulls away a major metric that we use to invest in companies. Uh, you know, if, if you're not able to quickly, define how how your how your cap and your ltv are working together uh, agreed agreed look the thing is is um look i don't think we're ever going to no cookies at all that's i don't i don't think that's the case but we're definitely going to less we're definitely you know we're like we all i nobody listening to this is going to you know disagree with either of us on this the fact is that the world is changing question is how do you how do you respond to it i think I think a lot of people, I think the majority of companies actually are thinking that they're going to like, they're, they're putting all their creative energy towards like iterating towards maybe finding some way to magically bring the CAC back down. I think that's foolish. I think uh, the, what we've got to do is like uh, recognize that we have to start investing time and brain power and, and, and effort. Um, into that first party relationship. I guess, let me just make a bold statement here. Uh, for every industry, the subset of companies that figure out how to build a direct first party relationship with their audience over the next three to four years will be the ones that survive. There's no way else. There's no way else. Yeah, and I think, I think, this, I think this adversely affects SaaS a bit more than it does uh, other companies in that, um, you know, they've always been able to iterate quickly and you know margins obviously are extremely high so on a percentage basis i think you know um that that those those cac costs are going to have a, a significantly higher percentage swing and, and impact on their profitability or their the lifetime value of the customer if you will because i know so many found uh, so many startups don't have actual profitability but definitely this has a profound effect on ltv um uh, from the standpoint of you know i think you know, software as a service companies count on the fact that their recurring costs are going to be minimal once they acquire you. 
Um, but if the if the cost to acquire you goes up considerably in building these first person relationships, um, you know it, it's you know it, 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 I don't know that you you can't in in a lot of these products you can't meaningfully push out the LTV of a customer. It sort of is I won't say it is what it is, but but it's you you're you know. At some point, you're, you're like you're trying to change bump. You're trying to trans. Not want to transform, but you're trying to build bump into a company that goes beyond when mom has a baby. Um, you know, but but certainly the the lifetime value of that that customer, if if everything you have focuses on mom health, the further away you get from her, her stopping having kids, the less value you have out of that customer. Correct. Which is why we, you know, we intend and we say this openly, like we intend to continue adding business units, whether we have to build or buy them. Mm-hmm. We, we have to like, we have to have business lines that are there for different parts of her life. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And so if somebody's selling, like think back to some of the earlier companies that we looked at that had, you know, Gmail add-ons or, um, you know, things that worked with other apps, Slack, you know, Salesforce and stuff like that, you know, that their ability to, um, to add LTV is, is much more limited. Um, and so if the CAC costs go up, it, it throws it throws those those relationships out of whack. So th- this is interesting. This actually makes me think of something that's not on our list, but related to this. Uh, so let me just throw the idea out there and then, you know, you can kind of bring me back on topic if you think it's not a good one yet. But, uh, you know, you and I, if you think about all the companies we've invested in over the last, I mean, I've been doing it. 2008 was my first one, so right? So 15 years almost. You've probably been doing it just as long now. But uh, I would summarize the, like our successes as investors in terms of financial returns as we all made a ton of money off of companies that were able to niche. So in mm-hmm. other words, maybe another way to say it is the internet over the last 10 or 15 years has allowed companies to... Uh, stay focused on niches and go extremely deep into them and and make a ton of money, which, you know, for for you guys listening, like that was not possible 50 years ago. You 50 years ago, you had like it was go big and become a conglomerate or nothing. Cause you just there's no in between. Like the niches were not interesting. Those were those were the you, you just couldn't make it work. Um is it possible? Here's the idea or a question. Here's the question. Is it possible? that what we're seeing with this whole paid landscape changing, is it possible that the pendulum is about to swing the other way? That if the last 15 years was about companies, startups, being extremely successful at going into the niches and going deep into those niches and going get, doing so well that they could generate great investor returns for people like you and me, is it possible that this paid acquisition landscape, which most of these companies were reliant on for the last 15 years or so. Is it possible now that this is the beginning of the pendulum going back the other way? So I'm just saying that what you're you know, keying off of what you just said there, is it possible now that we have to start really focusing in on founders that are thinking bigger? Like, hey, I want to start maybe in this niche, but I got to expand quickly to defend myself. I, I know that's not well articulated, but I'm curious what you think. Is the pendulum swinging the other way now? Are the niches no longer, you know, where the where the startups get rich? I my first impression is no, 
Um, and I, and I'll 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 tell you why based on two things. First off, I think you know as as you've said it so many times over the years, the you know the 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 barrier to entry for a new company is still incredibly low. Um, you know, AWS, Beget, SliceHost, Beget, DigitalOcean. I can have a you know, I can have a server up and running in 10 minutes um, where, you know, I used to have to like buy a rack and find somebody that would house it for me and figure out DNS and all that stuff. Um, so, so I think that the barrier to entry is still drastically low to get started. Um, I'm biased because it's a drum that you've heard me bang for so many years. I think that, I do think that the, let me make sure, sure I say this the right way because it's not quite profitability, but that's the word I'll use. Um, I think that a, a company's going to have to show the path to profitability sooner than before because I think that investors will assume that CAC costs are not going down anytime soon. Maybe they're not going up, like if they figure something out, but I think for the most part, I think we're going to be thinking that costs are going up or at least staying flat, that the, that the customer acquisition cost is less likely to go down over time mm-hmm. with a company, that they're probably not going to find that perfect solution. Because when you get to the first party connections, they're, you know, they're a lot harder to replicate at scale. Yes. Um, yes. And so so, so part of part of what makes CAC go down is it's like we found this perfect thing and we punt, you know, poured a bunch of gasoline on it and it's working over there in the corner and we don't, you know, all we need are more people for fulfillment. Um, you know, I think that changes a bit. And so I think there's this, you know, um, I think, as you say, there, it, it, it's not quite profitability. It's either profitability or um, acquirability. Because as you said, you're going to have to, bolt, the big companies will have to bolt things on like Bump is considering. So I think that there's probably more of a, of a, uh, of a attention to what those paths are over the next 12 to 18 months versus before it was, a lot of companies got funded based on how many eyeballs they could grab. I think I agree, but but what I'll I guess what I'll just say is I think this is an interesting thing. We should probably keep an eye on this on this topic over the next couple of weeks and months. But because I think maybe there's something to it. Maybe maybe the pendulum is starting to swing back the other way. Because uh, because you you just said something there I think is really important. Is that um, it is also going to change the way that investors like you and I you know, decide on new investments. You know, this actually is a good segue to one of the other topics that we've got on this list here about, you know, pros and cons of thinking in public and and, and making bold statements in public. Because uh, this is tied to exactly what you just said there. So um, what got me thinking about this was, uh, um, and I'm probably mistaken on the exact details here, but high level, what I remember is recently with the whole, you know, metaverse announcement, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, said on some stage somewhere that they're going to invest $10 billion into the, I guess, into the research and all that stuff. Right. And, you know, obviously everybody goes up in arms. That's a lot of money. That's a great idea. Bad idea. Right. But I guess, cause my brain's wired in a weird way. I'm looking like, why would you make that statement? Like, like, that's a strange statement to make, you know, when you make a statement like that publicly, uh, you know, that's, you're betting a career, but then it got me thinking, I'm like, wait a second, wait a second. No, no, no. There's gotta be something bigger here. I think that there's something interesting. This idea is, is interesting to me. This idea that 
there may be more value in just saying things boldly in public than we realize. And what I mean by that is maybe one of the reasons he said that publicly is to discourage other investors from funneling money into competitors. Because now all of a sudden, whether you explicitly or implicitly deal with it, you have to recognize the fact that if you're thinking about putting 200 grand or 2 million bucks into a startup, anywhere in that space, you got to like come to terms with the fact that there's a possibility that the big guys in the space are spending $10 billion. And do you really want to risk that? Like it's going to raise the bar for the founders, you know, and it's going to cause a lot more questions for the investors. Um, so anyway, but, but what are the downsides of making big, bold statements? I don't know. I'm curious what you think about that. Cause you know, it's interesting. I'm much more over the years as you and I've like gotten to know each other. It's like, I'm certainly much more, you know, what's the phrase? Uh, 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 strong opinions held loosely, you know, yeah. talk in public, you know, change the ideas often. Da, da, da. And I think you're much more, um, you know, grounded and rational and like, you know, not, and that's not a bad thing, right? It's just it's very different. So I'm kind of curious how you read that. Like when, when people like Zuckerberg say, I'm going to invest $10 billion into something, what, how do you read that? Like I read it like, oh man, he's keeping people out. What do you read it as? Yeah. So if I'm being 100% honest, like the first thing I thought of, you know, when, you know, when I read this, when you floated it was, um, you know, that just seems like a waste of energy. Um, you're like, why'd you, why'd you bother saying it? Yeah, and I think you brought up a good point. Um, and, you know, we talked about it this a bit before we hit the record button, but it brings it back to something that we discussed in an earlier episode, which, uh, which I poo pooed, which was Hertz deciding that they wanted to buy or announcing that they were going to buy 100,000 Teslas, you know, just drastically changing their model. And it's, and it's now I look at that as like, all right, well, you know, maybe they were trying to block, um, you know, Avis and Enterprise from, you know, buying a bunch of electric vehicles and trying to, you know, to leapfrog Hertz in the marketplace. And to your point about Zuckerberg making the comment, um, I guess my first impression of his personality is I don't think that's why he said it, but I also don't know that he'd be scared of anybody really investing money in the space. But I also don't think there's a lot of downside to saying it in that the people that don't like Zuckerberg or think he's wasting his money will continue to say that they don't like him and that he's wasting his money, sort of like with Elon Musk. And I think the people that potentially might get in the space could, you know, could decide to take a different tact or, you know, if they're smart and they listen to all of our episodes, they do what you said a handful of episodes ago and find a way to eat the elephant one piece at a time. And here's the thing, like we're all shaped by our personal opinions and life stories and whatever, right? Here's the thing. If we were having this conversation prior to 2010, I'd be like, mm, making big statements in public, dumbest thing you could do. I think that's a horrible idea because your downside is everybody gets to make fun of you and your upside is not getting made fun of. <laughs> Yeah, you beat expectations. But now, like, you know, it's 10 years later, and I I can't, I guess I'll just say, in 2021, here we are, right, December 2021, I don't, I don't see how you can break through the noise without making big, bold statements, and without thinking in public, even if you're wrong, because I think the upsides of doing that far outweigh the downsides. And let me explain. You know, when I first started talking about bump health, um, 
So we had to like build the business, get it to a certain point, And then I felt comfortable enough to really make some noise about it, right? Because prior to that, like, I'm like, how do I differentiate? Like every other startup has got a lot of bravado. They're going to change the world. Da, 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 and everybody sees through that. But hey, if I could like get us on a track to, you know, good revenue growth and, and all that stuff. Well, now I got a big stick and I can like start talking loudly about it. And when I first started doing it, I do, I, I know that there was like some discomfort from various people across the organization. Like, oh, wait, 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 we're making big statements about forward looking, you know, revenue targets and what, you know, all this stuff. Here's my opinion on this. How can you not? Because when we do that, uh, from a defensive standpoint, it keeps other people out of the space. Like, why would anybody invest in another company that would be remotely near us if, if we're already, you know, years and millions of tens of millions of dollars ahead? But then on the offensive side, it, it had the effect of also bringing recruits directly to us. People that were motivated by solving the same problems, working on these big ambitious ideas. Um, so I guess my poorly articulated point is in 2021 and beyond, how can you not talk uh, you know, about big ideas in public? Doesn't mean you have to be egotistical or like put other people down. But I think in an increasingly noisy environment, where the paid channels are getting only more expensive, the social channels are, you're at the risk of the algorithms, like everything else is changing. I keep coming back to this idea of all of us personally and professionally and as businesses need to build a first party relationship with the audience because defensively it keeps problems away, I think. And offensively, it brings the peers and the partners and the press and the recruits that are motivated that, to solve these problems. It's kind of like why you should take keynote speaking gigs and say no to all panels. Like when you get on a panel, you, it's like an hour of everybody just introducing themselves. But with a keynote, you can go like bark up a storm for 40 minutes. You might piss off 98% of the room, but the 2% of those people that want to come talk to you are the ones that see the world the same way you do. Isn't that good? I think that's good. I, I think it's Good. I don't know that it's the right path for everyone. I think I could name companies in our portfolio that that choose a different path. But I don't. I don't think you're wrong per se. Um, but I do think we're. <laughs> I I do think we're 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 horribly deficient on our list of topics this week, and and I know you're up against a, a hard deadline to stop. So I think uh, I think we need to hit the record button again really soon to not only finish this thought off, but also to cover the two or three you know, tasty morsels that are still on the list. Let's so. make it happen. Let's make it happen. Cool. Well, I know you got to get out of here. We won't hold it long for folks that listen this far. It means you must actually enjoy something that we said. So love it. If you would leave a five-star review and a rating for us, wherever you're listening, that really helps us jazz up, jazzes up the boards and, and get more people listening. Um, he is at Paul Singh and I am at pizza in motion. And we are, we are on to the next thing, man, but we got to get back soon. All right, buddy. Hey, well, have a uh, great week and uh, can't wait to do it again. <laughs>